Welcome to the One Life Podcast, where we have rare but vital conversations about Jesus. Hey everyone, welcome to the One Life Podcast. One Life is a startup church here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our mission is to build extended families of disciples that live on mission together. I am Tiffany Ketchum, and here with me is my husband and co-host, Tim Ketchum. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. In the most recent episodes that we have put out, we've been talking about Jesus as the second Adam. The big idea is that God started something when he created Adam, and Adam was supposed to partner with God to finish what he started. The problem is that Adam failed to do that. So what Jesus does is he comes along and partners with God to finish what he started. So that's what we've been talking about. But now we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 2 to figure out where things got off track. And the reason why this is important is because how you define the problem determines how you understand the solution. So we do need this conversation so we can understand exactly what problem Jesus came to solve. Tim, you say this a lot. You say how you define the problem determines how you understand the solution. So do you want to start off by just explaining a little bit more what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, one way to illustrate this is that if you say the the solution is uh, food, then, you know, the obvious thing, well, well, what is the problem? Well, that would be hunger, you know. Or if you were to say, you know, the solution is water, then the problem would be thirst. Mm. Uh, But it can get a little bit, you know, tricky when you start saying, well, the solution is Jesus. You say, well, what is the problem? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, hmm, um, well, uh, sin or, you know, like, all these different answers start coming up as to what the problem is that he comes to solve. And sometimes, you know, if if we were to say, like, you know, light is the solution, well, somebody might say, well, then the problem must be, you know... Darkness. Darkness. And he's like, well, that could be true, but what if you have a vitamin D deficiency? Darkness is partly correct, but there's actually an internal problem in your body that needs vitamin D... And the sun can actually provide vitamin D to you. So darkness is part of the problem, but there's a deeper problem. And, you know, if you manufacture vitamin D, you don't necessarily need sunlight to get it. Uh, you can take pills. And so, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, if, if Jesus is the answer, as some people would say, well, what's the question, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's really what we're trying to get into is what is the question? What is the problem? that Jesus comes to solve, and that problem starts all the way back in Genesis 2. Yeah, so I think that's going to be really good to remember as we're having this conversation over the next few episodes. We're titling the series, or the next couple of episodes, The Beginning of the End, and it's kind of a play on words. One way you could understand that is that this is where the end begins, and by end, um, specifically meaning death. And so where God created Adam and Eve to live, not to die. And so when does death actually enter the picture? And it starts at the very beginning. But there's also something here about what we see in the beginning actually shows up at the end of the story, as in 
all the way up into Revelation uh, chapter 22. And so by looking at the, at the beginning, you can start to get a picture about what the end of the story looks like. And it's kind of like looking at a baby that's born that has two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two hands, etc. Well, when that baby dies, as an old person, they're going to have two eyes and a nose and a mouth and two hands, etc. But it's going to look different because they have gone through a developmental process. Things have expanded. Things have grown and matured. And so really getting up close to Genesis 2 and 3 gives us a lot of insight into where the end of the story is going to arrive. So it's the beginning of the end, the end of the story. So we're kind of hitting two birds with one stone here. Dun, dun, dun. Um, rah, rah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Oh, okay. So um, we're going to Genesis 2 first? or Yeah, we're going to start off like we, we spent some time on Genesis 2-7 about the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And now we're going to go to the next verse, uh, verses 8 and 9. Okay. Well, I'm going to start reading then. Genesis 2 verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. All right, so just a few things here. This is kind of like when you're starting a movie and they kind of want you to get the setting or the context for the character. And this is kind of what the writer of Genesis is doing. They're kind of letting us know this is this is where Adam lives. This is his home. This is what his neighborhood looks like. This is kind of his setting. And so uh, there's a couple things in here I think that are not only key, but just generally interesting about the starting point here. And the first thing is that uh, God planted a garden in the eastern part of Eden. Now, because we read over this story so quickly, we often think that, you know, the Garden of Eden is actually just one place, right? But really what you have is you have kind of like two circles here. You have a larger circle called Eden, and then you have a smaller circle in the east of Eden, which is where God planted the garden. And so all of Eden is not developed as a garden. Mm, yeah, this is definitely easy to pass over when you're reading this. So is there anything about the east of the garden that is significant? Yeah, I think uh, th- there's a lot of things in chapter 2 that are that are details that you may pass over, but they're actually, you know, every word is chosen with care by the author. And, you know, in, in their culture, there's a movement that goes from east to west. The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. So there's a natural movement that starts out eastward and moves westward. And so if, e- if Eden is the bigger circle and the garden is in the east, as we're going to read later and look at in some later episodes, Adam is supposed to cultivate the garden starting in the east, and it's most likely supposed to move westward. The reason why this is kind of important to take note of is because if you think about the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, the tabernacle is actually somewhat of a model of the Garden of Eden. And the entrance to the tabernacle starts on the east. And there's a progression that starts from the entrance that moves westward into the Holy of Holies. The writer is probably cluing us in that there's a pattern here 
that God was going to have Adam start out in a garden, develop that garden, you know, tend it and keep it, but that garden was supposed to expand, and it was potentially going to expand westward to take up the rest of Eden and cultivate the rest of Eden into a garden. Okay, so we have the garden in the east and the potential for it to grow into the west. And But you also connected this to the tabernacle and how mm. it sort of set up. But let's connect some dots here before we uh, move on because, like, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with what mm. we're talking about? And how do we connect all of this to the story uh, yeah. that we're putting out here of Jesus? It's a great question. Uh, In some episodes in the past, we talked about how relational God is. And part of that is revealed in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, that there's one God that exists in three persons. But even the way he interacts with his divine counsel was very relational. A temple is a place where God dwells. It's It's a house for the deity or the God. The writer of Genesis is throwing out some clues and some signals here that it's not that God created Adam and beamed down out of heaven, created a garden, and then beamed back up to heaven, and then there Adam is all by his lonesome (laughs) in the garden. The lone gardener. Yeah, and it's like this whole entire world, as massive as we know it. All by himself. Yeah. The writer of Genesis is using temple language to clue us in that, no, God is is dwelling in that area. He wants to meet with Adam on the regular. And so, you know, to connect this to some of the things we talked about in our most recent episodes is that Adam was supposed to go through a developmental process of becoming more and more like God, and eventually he would enter into a state of glorification where his body would be transformed and all of this was not just going to happen, you know, in isolation from God as if he was kind of thrown into a, a gym and told to go work out. <laughs> yeah, and, I think I think we know that just from personal experience, right, in life. Yes. Like being isolated and, you know, growing, it doesn't really go well together all the time. That's right, because we're relational, just like God. Right. And so this this transformational process was supposed to happen while Adam interacted with God in a very personal and very relational way. And the the implication here is that God was not going to be distant. He was not going to be up there, out there somewhere. He, he was creating a temple. Uh, the Garden of Eden was a dwelling place, not only for Adam, but for God as well. And we, we get a little bit of a hint of this in chapter 3 when it talks about God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so God, God may not have dwelled inside of the garden, but he was going to visit the garden. And he was going to meet with Adam and Eve on the regular. And that meeting and that interaction and that relationship is what was going to sort of catalyze or empower that transformation in Adam and Eve. It it was going to be a partnership. It it was going to be a team effort. 
Yeah, and it, that makes a lot of sense because when you think about Adam coming in as a baby, which he wasn't a baby, obviously, but, you know, as far as he needed to mature, he, needed, right. he had a growing process to go through. Well, it makes a lot of sense that God is not going to put him there and just leave him hanging right in that immature state, you know, when he is made to grow into something more. Yes. That God would be there just like a, a parent would. Right. Be there. That's such a great imagery there, the, the parent and the child. I think it's really important to hit this in the beginning because we're, we're actually setting up, this is how God wanted things to be. And j- just to make it really plain, God always envisioned himself and his divine counsel being on earth with human beings. That's how he originally wanted things to unfold and develop. And he he had an amazing plan to reproduce the Garden of Eden all over the world with human beings living in fellowship with him, him meeting with them on the regular, and then being transformed by his presence. And unfortunately, that's not how the story unfolded. And that's kind of what we're going to be getting into here. But we, we do need to get clarity as to, well, what was God actually wanting? What, what was he setting up? And, and what did that look like? Because that's what the end of the story is going to look like. He is going to get what he wanted. He is going to have us with him on earth, living in fellowship, living in a transformative relationship with us. But if if you don't look closely, you, you kind of miss that in the story. Mm, I'm so glad that we paused to dig into this a little bit deeper because I thought we were going to keep moving through nine, but I think this is really important for us to understand here at the beginning of the story. So I think we'll probably get into verse nine on the next episode yeah. since we're sort of taking a little more time on this. So is there anything else here that we want to talk about that has to do with the tabernacle, with the garden, with the dwelling place of God, relationship with him? Yeah, the the we're actually going to unpack it a little bit more in some future episodes. There's some other clues about temple stuff here in Genesis 2, but I think one of the overriding themes is that God wants to meet with us. God wants to be with us. If we're not careful, we'll kind of take the assumption that, well, he wanted to be with us before the fall, but then after the fall, he doesn't want to be with us. Mm, and, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Yes. Yes, it's it's part of our nature, our human nature, to assume that God does not want to be around us, that he somehow wants to create distance, that there's this massive gap that he does not want to cross. And there's a reluctance on his part to be in relationship with us. One of the clues that this is not correct, for one, shows up in Genesis 3, where after they sin, it says that God goes walking in the garden. And he says, where are you? And he pursues them even in their fallen state. And it also shows up when you read through the book of you know, Exodus and Leviticus and whatnot. And the most common term to talk about the tabernacle 
in other words, the dwelling place of God, is they would call it the tabernacle of meeting. Talk about intentional language. They're saying that one of the main purposes of the tabernacle, of God's dwelling place, is to meet with us. But if you, if you just pay attention to the story here in Genesis 2 and 3, God is still, he, he wants to be with us. He wants to meet with us on the regular. Absolutely. He is always wanting to talk with us. He's always wanting to hang out. He's always wanting to be with us. Even now, he's probably thinking, man, I just wish they would get off of that podcast and <laughs> talk to me about what's happening right now. <laughs> so um, Stop talking about me and start talking to me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so that's really good, Tim. I think we're going to close it out here. So I hope you'll take time after this to to stop in and be with him. So the next episode, we're going to keep moving through Genesis 2, probably going to verse 9. Yep, we're going to go into looking at the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Cool. I hope you will join us on the next episode. Really appreciate you guys listening to episode 16 and... If you have questions or comments, please go to the link that we'll leave in the notes and leave us a question. We would love to hear your feedback. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we will catch you next time.